from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. It'll come forward, toss sweep for Wilson. Cut back, run, 20, 10, 5, touchdown! San Francisco! Throws it, it's caught by Debo Samuel, breaks a tackle, 40, 30, 25, 20, breaks another tackle, touchdown! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Hill, Cofield, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Man, I'm bummed out. I'm bummed out. Uh, We don't often get to benefit from one of the great things of radio stations. We have all these partners who serve all this great food. And, you know, back in the day before COVID, there'd be food here all the time. Great. Sure. It's great. Um, we would generally not get it because we start at three or two o'clock and they would drop it off for lunch and none of us really work from the office except Ari. And man, our salespeople would just ravage the scene. And today I was looking forward to it because uh, one of our favorite places, Gentleman's Club in, in Vegas, Crazy Horse 3, was going to drop off some tacos. Their kitchen's awesome. But I think they had a problem today, so it'll be here later in the week, and we we probably won't be here. Probably. But uh, is it bad that I'm I'm texting the AE? Where's our tacos? Well, I, not that way. I was just like like no tacos. Remember the remember the gift? There's a there's a lady when uh, Trump was elected. There was a woman in like this big like courtyard, glasses like a raincoat, and she was just like no. Sort sure. of applicable for a lot of people today with Biden. So, sure. um, but I just sent that to him. Like, no tacos. Come on. Does, I mean, does even? I don't think he appreciates the gift game. Uh, I don't, I don't know. know. That's a good. That's a good point. You're right. Different people uh, respect our, the gift game. Many don't. Our favorite part of that, as you mentioned, like a lot of times people would, hey, we like the show. We're going to bring by some food. Try our food, and then they'd bring it, and we wouldn't get it, as you mentioned, well. because it'd be out in the. You know, in the in the common area, and people would be eating it, but people that weren't even working that day would then get noticed. Oh, the pizza! Yeah, we had, like, we had pizza come in, like eight pies, and uh, we had a scramble to try to get a couple of slices, and we got out there because they dropped it off. You know, we we didn't take a break for like twenty minutes. There's like and we a, ran out there, all the boxes were empty. Well, there's like a bat signal that goes out. I think even like former employees. Oh, people left for the day. Yeah, the people that worked here like three years ago, right. like get a hey, there's free food in there. It's supposed to be for Kofi. We do know we're getting we're getting a new security system in here. They've been really beefing this place up. Maybe it's because of that. No, I feel like they're going to try to keep us in so they can get more of our food. You'll remember raising canes, that big incident, brought by I think like six chafing dishes of chicken fingers. And by the time we got out there, all that was left was cane sauce. So you drank it, and I started drinking. I started drinking a twenty-two ounce cup of cane sauce. I was like, delicious. Well, it's great. It's great. It's even better with the chicken fingers, but you wouldn't have known that day. Spoiled radio guys talking about not getting their free food, and especially two of them who aren't exactly in tip-top shape. Sorry, Adam. I got to tell the truth. So you, you and Ari? Yeah. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. Oh, boy. What a hit. Adam was not that impressed with the hit in the Rams game last night on Dork. 
who ran on the field, Niners and Rams. Bobby Wagner got him. I thought it was a helmet to head. I thought they could have thrown a flag. Uh, By the way, Rex Chapman is suggesting that the security guard who wound up flopping on top of the guy after Wagner had taken him down, that he blew his ACL. But that was the same guy? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Because I saw a guy up at the top of the screen who went down chasing the guy, and then as he got up, he kind of – I'm not making light of this. I'm just saying what it was like so you know what what I'm saying. He went kind of Tua, where he went down and then he stood up and then he just kind of wandered and looked like he fell again because he couldn't stand on his knee. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was the same guy. Could have been indige- uh, indigestion. Maybe he had free tacos before the game like we wanted. Could have. Right. I, I thought I was thought hurting after running a little bit. To to Rex's point, I thought it was a clear knee injury that he blew it out. I'll also point out, and I don't want to give I don't want to give this away. They just started us at the Raiders game. Uh, I don't know if they auctioned it off or what, but at with the first kickoff of the game, I know they do a lot of stadiums. Somebody gets to go out and run out there and get the tee and bring it back, like retrieve the tee for the oh, opening really? kick. Uh, in Tennessee, they auction that off for charity each week. That's cool. And I was just down there covering the Raiders game, and my my uncle who's down there, he's 70 years old, and he said his big plan is to buy that and then run onto the field as you know an old man kind of running out there to get the tee and then pretend to tear his ACL. So they have to stop the game and like cart him off the field. That would be a great move. I feel like that's already been topped. Didn't DK Metcalf have them cart him off the field to go to to the the bathroom? bathroom? Yeah, that was smart. There was some investigative reporting done on that, too, that it is the furthest stadium from sideline or visiting sideline to visiting locker room in the league. Hmm. And so it kind of made some sense that he would do that. But, yeah, I I thought this security guy or whoever he is, I thought he tore his ACL for sure on that play. Or some sort of leg damage. You know downstairs at Allegiant Stadium, right? You know what it's like? Sure. Yeah, so the bathroom's pretty close. Yeah, on that one tunnel for sure. Yeah. I've scoped it out. Just in case. (laughs) You need to. I'm not a big bathroom guy. As we've talked about this radio show a year. Well, we're not in studio anymore that much. but, but But it actually applies to the road. We do, say we do 225 shows a year. Between you and I, bathroom breaks during the three-hour show might not eclipse five. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think that like I have to go really badly right now, and I'm not going to do it just because you don't want to use one of our five for the year. I'm, I'm working. Uh, there's there's time later. I feel like the tunnel, the tunnel where the restroom is at Allegiant though, is the furthest tunnel away from where you are. Don't you usually do the sideline reports from over by where the slot machine is? No, I'm at I'm oh. at the other end of the field. I'm I'm close By to the, the club. Yeah, the I would club. never ask the cart to drive me to the bathroom. You should. No, I would like to see. I that. feel like that's a misuse of the cart. Well, they don't, they're mostly just standing by. For the, for the most part, you hope they don't get used for anything. Of course. But that would be my luck. Like uh, I'm I'm getting carted to the bathroom, and all of a sudden someone has some freaking awful injury, and they're like, "Where's the cart? Why is that fat <laughs> astro? What is he doing?" <laughs> or you could. You, maybe they just Get turn around. Maybe they turn around and you ride out there to help with the injured we, player. We to, I just sit there yeah. and wait. And they slide you over. Complaining like, the whole time that I got to go. You tap on your w- like, on, w- wrist go. like, come on, let's go. Got to, we're running out of time yeah, here. That's, a, that's not a good look from a video. Stand. That, might, that one might go viral. That'd be great. Number three. Man, it really is pornographic, as you said a couple of years ago. The, the little shanny offense. So, the run game. So great to watch. Now, I, now it's Last Miami. night, 
people were also freaking out because there seemed to be a new featured blocker. And we're talking about fantasy football. Did you see how many people were complaining that? George Kittle? Yeah, George Kittle is now just a blocker. Well, aren't they trying to send the point? Because remember, uh, one of the analysts a couple years ago said that Kittle can't block. It was Doug Gottlieb. It was Gottlieb. Football expert Doug Gottlieb. Uh, I I really like Doug Gottlieb. They're trying to prove that point. But I don't know that I would trust Doug on judging who's a good blocker. Now, not not only did I notice it, what you're referencing about George Kittle, uh, I was obsessed with it and watching it very intently because in one of my many leagues, uh, I needed to avoid a seven-point night from George Kittle. And so I literally was just watching him. So and every time he'd line up and he'd go to block, and I'm like, okay, there's one play I survived. This is good. And they did throw it to him in the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown. Kittle. Ste- stepped out of bounds. Yeah, replay screwed it up. So very slightly, for, for about a second and a half, my score updated to say I was losing. And then fortunately, it got, it got turned over. But yeah, I mean, George Kittle is... An unbelievably effective blocker. He's very, very, very good at it. And I, I know it's frustrating for people fantasy football-wise, but it's real life. <laughs> and one of the things that they're very, very effective at is using him as a blocker. And he did it once again to to very good results. And by the way, the Raiders, it wasn't really talked about much, but you know Foster Morrow was out this week, and he is usually a guy that comes in and serves as that blocker, uh, like a lot like Kittle does. And so they were running a lot of tackle-eligible plays this week. Uh, I think about 10 to 12, where they had a tackle-eligible, an extra tackle come in and, and fill that role. So, I mean, it, it's the blocking tight end is a very, very important role when you have one. Number two. For how many years did Raider Nation get on the San Diego Chargers fans and now the L.A. Charger fans for having their stadium overrun by the opposing fans uh-oh when you move to vegas and the ticket prices are pretty high and the psls are even higher you're not always going to have the most tried and true fans who won't sell their tickets and they sold them yeah they and did. it was very orange in the crowd and wait a second silent count phil rivers <laughs> oh no did they Andre James kind of let that slip yesterday. It was it was it was a little bit odd because I wasn't asking him about that in particular. I was just asking him about all the rotations on the offensive line and him having been out two games. The center Andre James of coming back in and trying to communicate um, and have that communication level of hey, when you left after game one, there was a certain lineup at offensive line. Now it's a different lineup. How does that communication kind of work? And he said it actually was kind of tough. It was an adjustment, and he said and that adjustment was made even more difficult by the fact that we had to go silent count a couple of times because there was just so many Broncos fans. Silent count at your home stadium. Yeah, which also is something that Max Crosby talked about, just not being happy with. Uh, not the silent count in particular because he's a defensive player, obviously, right. but uh, he just said, you know, you're looking around, and it's very, very orange in there. And it was noticeable. To be expected. Yeah, it was noticeable being in the stadium. You look I mean, around. There, were, there were experts who talked about ingress and egress for the stadium, and they said uh, they expected 60-40. Home and away fans. They said it. Yeah. Back when we were talking about roads and how to get in and out of the freaking stadium. And then, again, listen, the Raiders are making a ton of money. And when you charge PSLs, uh, you know, the top end of, you know, thirty-five and 75000 and then the resale market is super high up there, what sort of fans do you think you're going to get? And, you're, and it's the whole point of this. Well, not the whole point, but a lot of this building the stadium was to provide, you know, the destination 
football experience, and people are taking advantage of it from outside the market. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Now, it also is kind of opponent-based, and we've seen certain teams obviously turn out much more. The Eagles took over. Yep, Chicago. Uh, for sure. Chicago, Chicago fans and they took over last were year. strong. And it's not necessarily even if a team is good or not. It's if your fans want to travel uh, and go and go to places and see a game, and uh, certainly you're going to want to get out of Chicago, and there's money in Chicago, so people travel. Um, I'm interested to see next home game is Houston, who doesn't have fans. So I, I don't think it's going to happen in that game. But it is certainly an issue when there is fan bases that travel. It is going to be the case where they are going to be very, very loud inside of Legion Stadium. Number one. Where are we now with the Jones boys and Dak Prescott? Because uh, Jera was talking about the fact that Dak could be available Sunday, but he also pointed out that his grip on the right hand is jacked. Yeah, and shortly after those comments were kind of coming out, uh, the Cowboys made it official that Dak's not going to play uh, this week. And if you can't grip the ball, that's probably a good idea. Uh, they haven't, you know, fallen apart. They haven't fallen behind. In fact, they've won every game since he's been out. Uh, I don't think it's because of the offense necessarily, but they are not a disaster without him. And I think it's probably uh, to their benefit that they've been okay and that they've, you know, won some games so that they can take their time and be patient with Dak and not have to rush him back. And I think by your philosophy, which is a weird one, they're going to lose these two games anyway, so why put Dak in jeopardy? Is that how you would look at at Rams, at Eagles? Sure, and also why, like, why would you put him back in there to lose? And then everybody's like, oh, Cooper Rush, 3-0, you're 0-3. Why is he in there? It's stupid. Big Forward Force presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in Reno. And Las Vegas, the Anywhere in Nevada number is 766-1400. Jackson. Fans five yards deep in the backfield. J.K. Dobbins behind him to give us a Dobbins. Running to the left. He's got a crease. He's got a hole. He's got a touchdown, Ravens. Cofield and Company NFL insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. All right, let's do it. NFL insider Miles Simmons, PFT, is with us. Miles, you know Adam is all teed up to talk about Harbaugh and analytics and, you know, getting breakdowns from Boomer and Phil Sims and, you know, Coach Cower. What do you think of Harbaugh getting criticized by lots of media members, fans, and frankly, one of his players on his decision with four minutes left in the game? Yeah, I I thought it was the right decision basically because it's what he thought was the right decision. And, you know, if if a coach has that much experience and has gone for it in those places, no matter what the analytics says, I'm going to go with whatever the coach decides is best for his team because Harbaugh's got a really good pulse for what his team is. I, I like the process. Now, the play call... I think we can question a little bit because it didn't give Lamar Jackson enough solutions and he ends up throwing the ball into the end zone as a 50-50 ball. And frankly, he ain't got 50-50 ball receivers. So when he does that, it gives the Buffalo the opportunity to pick the ball off. And that's one of those plays where actually on fourth down, it behooves you to pick the ball off because you're taking me in the end zone. And instead of starting at the two, you're starting at the 20. So the result I don't like, but the process I do, and the play call I don't love, if that makes sense. And also, what what was your read on what the argument was about? Because I, I've heard a lot of people say with that Peters with the Ravens on on the field, I, I thought it was about letting them score. 
I, I maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I assume you're talking about with Marcus Peters, right? Because yeah. that's what he was talking. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't really know, and they're not saying. <laughs> so I mean, Harbaugh has been like, yeah. I mean, it's it's a heat of competition. Marcus Peters is a competitor, so am I. We're gonna yell at each other. It's gonna be okay. I mean, we're still fine. He loves me. I love him, and he's like, I'm pretty sure he still loves me, so we're gonna be all right. So I. I think part of it might have been letting them score. They did want to let them score, yeah. but the Bills refused to score. So it just, you know, it was one of those situations where, and it's interesting too, because the Bills had the opportunity to get the first down before they got into the end zone, which is what allowed them to uh, then be able to run the clock all the way down and kick that field goal. So it was a it was good situational football from the Bills' standpoint because the only way you allow the Ravens the chance to win that game is if you score before time runs out and they didn't do it. Yeah, and I, I, it seemed like they weren't on the same page. Like it seemed like one of the Ravens players just decided to try to make a tackle. I don't understand how you have communication that bad. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> it's raining. It's there's a lot of stuff that goes on. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, especially with that being there. Uh, Harbaugh was very forceful about talking about Tua, uh, which was interesting. To yeah. Me. Um, what What do we know? What is, What do we know now uh, about the Tua situation with where the investigations are and where the discussions are? And you know, obviously, I watch Mike McDaniel's press conferences religiously, uh, as you know. As I think I. you're I think you're on board as well. Um, I am. He seems very forceful that they don't believe they did anything wrong in this process. Yeah, and you know. Uh, here's where I think Mike McDaniel's really in a hard place. Mike McDaniel, as the head coach of the football team, has to trust when the medical people, whether it's the trainer, doctor, whoever it happens to be, tells him one, they, they tell him one of two things, right? It's up or down, yes or no. It, it Can he play or can he not? If it, we're talking about a head injury. And so he has to be able to trust everything that happens with his evaluation in order to then say, all right, I'm playing him or I'm not playing him. Think about all the things that a head coach has to do over the course of a game. And that's magnified, multiplied, I should say, even more when you are the offensive play caller. He didn't have time to you know, go through anything of saying, okay, well, if it's this and then if it's that, well, he's got concussion symptoms and that, like, no. The, it's their job of the medical people, the doctor and the unaffi uh, unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant to say, yes, this person can play or no, this person cannot play when he's evaluated for a head injury. So if that is the case, then yeah, Mike McDaniel needs to be 100% confident in what the Dolphins are doing. And also there are some legalities that probably come into it as well. But to answer your question about where we are right now, uh, Tua Tungavailoa is supposed to be talking to the investigators from the NFLPA, the NFL, however they're doing that um, joint investigation today. And I don't know if that's happened already or if it's not happened already. Um, but so that is going to be, I think, a critical piece of what that investigation uncovers. Now, it's important, I think, to note that the NFLPA has ex exercised its prerogative to fire the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant who was a part of that evaluation of Tongue of Iloa uh, a couple of Sundays ago. So that person and that doctor, they concluded, made several mistakes, and that's why that person is no longer employed in that role. And they said that the person also didn't really understand the role of a UNC, which, 
to me is a bigger problem with not just the NFL, but also the NFLPA, because these people are jointly hired between those two entities. And so if you have people who don't understand what that role is, and we're talking about, you know, brains here and concussions, that's a really, really big issue. So I, I don't like that look from that standpoint, uh, from either the NFL or the NFLPA. If you got somebody who's working these games and apparently does not understand what their role is. I don't. I don't want to put you in a, a tough spot, Miles. But uh, do the Rams stink? <laughs> uh, here's what the problem with the Rams is, and the Rams are never quite as bad as they look when they play the 49ers because the 49ers just kick their butts. They do it pretty much every time, and the only time they haven't done it since I left the Rams in 2019 uh, is when they played in the NFC Championship game in January. But their problem is that they're playing second and third stringers on the offensive line. Their center's out. You've got dudes who are basically coming off the practice squad to play at guard during the game in the interior line. Your Joe Noteboom is a step back from Andrew Whitworth at left tackle. That's pretty clear. And so the 49ers defense is championship caliber. They're gonna they are a bunch of grade A butt kickers. And so when they come out and they hit you, and they hit you, and they hit you, and your offensive line is a bunch of second and third stringers, it's not going to look very good. The other problem is Allen Robinson and Matthew Stafford have no chemistry. And talking to some people in and around the Rams, it seems like, for whatever reason, it's just not quite clicking with those two yet. Maybe that some of that has to do with the fact that Matthew Stafford uh, was not really throwing in the offseason, didn't have that time to build that offseason chemistry. But at the same time, those two dudes are pros. They need to be able to figure it out. And Cooper Cup cannot carry that offense as he has over the last couple of weeks. Miles Simmons, watch your language, my friend. Butt kicker. A little strong. A little strong. He's our, he's our <laughs> NFL insider. From hey, you know what? Talk. I'm just I'm just trying to make sure nobody gets in trouble. Okay, I appreciate that. Including me. Yes. I lost a little control at the beginning of the show. I was very angry early in the show and oh was using from some of that language. Um <laughs> all right, so Rams coming up against the Cowboys. We're gonna see Dak Prescott. Uh, doesn't look like it. Does not look like it at all. Jerry Jones said today that uh, Dak Prescott still can't really grip a football very well. So it looks like it's going to continue to be Cooper Rush. And Cooper Rush has done a really good job of managing the game for the Dallas Cowboys. He does not take many negative plays. Uh, and that, whether that's fumbles, interceptions, or sacks, he just doesn't really do that. And so when you are do when you are able to stay ahead of the chains and keep yourself in third and manageable, that's how you're going to be able to win games as a backup quarterback. I think he's done a nice job so far. And I think the Cowboys can absolutely come to SoFi Stadium and win, especially if their defensive line, that front seven that they've got, continues to kick butt. Uh, as they have. I mean, they sacked Joe Burrow six times. I'm certain they can go in there and do the same to Matthew Stafford if the Rams' offensive line isn't any healthier. At Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter, profootballtalk.com. I saw one of your PFT stories, uh, yeah, basically Frank Reich saying, hey, we're, we're close. The Colts are close. Uh, are they close? Uh, no, <laughs> okay. they're not. And I'm, I, I look, I understand why they say it. I think Dan Orlovsky put something out there today where it's like, you know, they're a step away from hitting big play. Look, this team is bad, okay? And, like, I think the more we see them play, 
the more we're going to come to the conclusion that Matt Ryan is washed. I don't know what in the world is going on with him in these fumbles. He's got nine fumbles. He's lost three of them. And it just seems like every single week he's taking a critical sack because he can't move around in the pocket enough to evade pass rushers. They never should have beaten the Chiefs in week three ever. And that's part of why the Chiefs, I think, came out like a house of fire because they realized that they got beat by a lesser team. And if they're on their game, nobody should be able to do that to them. I, the Colts stink. This game on Thursday is going to look so <laughs> awful because it's two teams that stink. And so I'm going to have an adult beverage in my hand to my be God. able to stomach that game. You're really salty today. I don't know if I like this style, I, Simmons. It's, uh, it's very edgy. It's, no, it's good for the show. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, over under 43 and a half in that game. I know you're not a big better, but... under. Okay, I didn't even get to finish up. <laughs> wow, that was strong. Thirteen to ten Broncos. Like it, I don't even. And wow, maybe wow. it's thirteen to nine. Right. Like I, I don't know how the Colts are going to get in the end zone. The Colts, de the the Broncos defense is pretty good. Ajiro Evero, who used to be a Rams defensive backs coach, is their defensive coordinator in Denver. He's done a really nice job. And I, like I said, I mean, if John, especially if Jonathan Taylor doesn't play, and it's not like Jonathan Taylor's been setting the world on fire either this year because that Colts offensive line stinks, even though they're one of the highest paid units in the entire National Football League. I watch a lot of Colts games, man. So like, that's <laughs> why like I many. just, yeah, I get, I get a little fired up over them because they shouldn't be this bad, but they are this bad. You look at them, they're this bad. Miles is a good follow. We got about 30 seconds left here. I was looking for some Game of Thrones commentary on your uh, Twitter feed. Haven't but I haven't watched it. I, I, didn't, I didn't see any of that, so I'll, I'll yeah. turn to in the last couple seconds here. Memories of the Metro card in New York. That was kind of interesting. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you you battle the Metro card versus the uh, the one train at uh, the Columbia station. So you've got to make sure that your money is on the card before you can get in there. And so it's a battle. When you hear that train coming, you got to make sure they get that money on that Metro card real quick. <laughs> Thanks, Miles. Appreciate <laughs> Take it. Take care, guys. Thanks, it's man. Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. I can't wait to talk about the Patriots and Lions game. So freaking awesome. That was the Pats Radio Network. Bailey Zappi. What? Bailey Zappi. Western Kentucky? Yeah. Western Kentucky quarterback. And he looked, I'll just say, okay. We're going to talk to Sam Paniotovich, our gambling insider, on Tuesdays here on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, I have a lot of places I can go right now, and normally there's no hesitation on this show where we're going, but you oftentimes will throw me off five seconds before we return from break by shaking your head and something you saw on social media. Yeah, I'm, I'm devastated right now. Here we go. Should we go to break early? I can't. No, because I there's one there's one streaming service I finally got rid of. I'm, I have everything. What'd you dump? Paramount Plus, even though I need it for a lot of soccer, I've found other ways to watch. So I've got, I've got, I got rid of it. What are you going to do for Yellowstone? You love that show. I don't. No. I figured. Frasier sequel is coming to Paramount Plus. What is that? A sequel to Frasier. Okay. One of the greatest shows of all time. I didn't know you were a big Frasier guy. Oh, huge. Okay. Now I'm going to get Paramount Plus again. Can, it was an NBC. Put it on Peacock. I'm Team Peacock. You know that. You are. You you, you have a lifetime. Uh, I do. 
Like cost locking, don't you? Yes. Why is it not coming to Peacock? I I hate everything. It's it's so ridiculous. We what we, did your Paramount Plus subscription drop you to? Are you under three hundred now for TV? Probably not. I mean, I, I I don't. I'm beside myself. I don't know. I really I, know I really do. want someone to walk. I've talked about this many times, and if people listen to the show years ago, all I did was extol the virtues of cord cutting and how wonderful it was going to be. And I just want someone to walk up to me, even if it's, it's going to be joking. Don't attack me. But when we're out and about and just walk up and go, thanks jerk. You told me to cut the cord. I'm paying double. I didn't know. I didn't know this was going to happen. This, this sucks. I'm I'm going to have to now during our break, resubscribe to Paramount plus. Maybe there's some kind of discount out there or something to try to get me back. Hey, Paramount Plus, for listening, try to get me back. I might be convinced. I was with one of our buddies last night. I was with one of our buddies last night, uh, Tony Miller from the Golden Nugget, bookmaker. And Tony and I always talk TV, and we were getting into some different shows, and he's a little behind on House of Dragon. And he said uh, he's having a little trouble getting through a lot of shows now because of TikTok, that he fades to TikTok. Sure. And he starts looking at TikTok. And then I swear, I'm not making this up. And this is nothing against Tony because it's every guy's plate. Tony was like, man, all I'm getting are these these women. Bikinis and stuff. And I I look at him like, it's you. You cultivate it. You. There's an algorithm. Whatever you stay on the most and look at the most, you will get fed over and over and over again. Like you with the cooking TikToks. Well, initially the cooking TikToks, it was all over the place. And now I just I just popped on TikTok and it was just something about boobs. <laughs> We've all lost it. That's... What do you think your guy, mild Mike McDaniel, looks at? What do you think he's getting fed, the Dolphins coach on, on uh, TikTok? Probably a lot of head injury stuff. Probably not. That's, that's all he's been talking about lately. Your phone listens to you. Does it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. Well, I've got the whatever it is, the Alexa thing. I've got that unplugged in the house now. I'm like, I'm not I'm I'm tired of the freaking the pinpointed shopping ads because I was talking about something downstairs. I go upstairs on the desktop and I'm like, wait, I was just. Yeah, they're listening all the time. Yeah, Uh, it's it's unbelievable how targeted things are to you. It's crazy. (laughs) It's not unbelievable. We should all know it by now. Fortunately, we're trapped. Most of the Frasier cast members are not coming back, and Martin's dead, so he's not coming back. Hopefully, the show sucks, and I'll have to watch it. Coming up, we're going to get angles from Sam Paniotovich on the Raiders and Chiefs. That's the Monday Night Football game. It's Cofield and Company with the Battleborn Sports Hour, presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's get to it. Sam is up. What's up, buddy? Still alive in Survivor, pal. It's pretty amazing considering how the field has been decimated. <laughs> I know. Nothing against, nothing against you. Nothing against you. Say how many uh, How many are left? 1,200. One, two, Ooh. two, two. I know. Did you have the Packers this week? No. See, I realized that that was going to be such a public side. Like, I was talking to a lot of people, and they're like, oh, yeah, the Packers are a free space. And it ended up being true. I went crazy bold. I went Cincinnati Thursday night. Ooh, interesting. Now, yeah. I don't know if you have them left, but I'll, I'll ask you this week. It's obvious. 
who a lot of people are going to play if they still have him left. I mean, a lot of people might want to save them, but Buffalo is such an easy answer this week. Do you do that, or if, the, if you have the remaining, do you try to fade them again? I haven't really dug that deep into it yet. I'll tell you a team that I was thinking about that's Minnesota um, at minus seven. I'm not really, to be honest with you, Adam, I'm not really worried about like what everybody's doing. That kind of contradicts what I just said. But, I mean, like that, that Packer game was almost 50% of the pool. Um, I don't think there will be a lot of people that will take Minnesota or Buffalo because I believe those two teams both play um, on Thanksgiving. So those will be teams that you'll want to save, but I don't need to save both if that makes any sense. Like I can, I can burn one and keep one. I'm just trying to survive in advance. Like <laughs> I'm not worried about this like Merlin reversal, Derek Stevens mumbo jumbo. Like I'm just trying to win and move on. Um, I do like Minnesota, and I think Jacksonville is a solid leg too. But do I really want to put Jacksonville in Survivor? Probably not. At some point, <laughs> you might have to go all the way to the end and play almost everyone though. Yeah, I guess you're right. I tell you what I'm not going to put is Kansas City against the Raiders. Ooh. What do you what do you see in this game that might scare you away? I'm going to take 7 points. Like I'm going to take it for sure. I think that that Las Vegas is sort of a sleeping spread giant, if you will. I think people are writing them off because it's clear they don't have an easy path to the postseason, but that offense is going to score on Kansas City. That secondary leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, they, they really had a, a good thing going when, when Tampa fumbled the opening kickoff, and that sort of set the tone for the game. But if you look at what Brady did, he just carved them up. I mean, he completed almost 80% of his passes for almost 400 yards, three touchdowns, had a rating of over 100. I mean, Kansas City can be had through the air, and that's going to be a spot where I know it's going to be ugly, and a lot of people won't want to take the points but I will take seven or higher with Las Vegas on Monday night. No doubt about it. You mentioned Brady on the other side. Is it a single Brady season? Do we do we <laughs> factor that into our handicapping? You're asking the right person because I sat through this BS all day at work today with the, <laughs> the Brady apologists at Nesson, and they were like, oh, Tom, Tom, this is what he needed. And I'm thinking to myself, well – I don't know that in a vacuum that's accurate, but I did see last night that Brady has really had a lot of success against this opponent. All-time against Atlanta, Brady is 9-0, and um, and that includes a Super Bowl win and cover. Somehow they covered that game. They were down 28-3. to But Atlanta, uh, Atlanta's 4-0 ATS, and I don't know that Atlanta's played anybody good yet. Like that, I mean, they've beaten a bunch of bums. I think they're fraudulent, if you will. I mean, they've beaten the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Browns. They did have a nice win at L.A. at the Rams, but this is a Brady scorched the earth spot. I don't know that I'm at – like, I had somebody in the office go, you got to bet Brady, 40-1 to MVP. I'm like, can you relax? <laughs> Brady's Brady's hurt. guy. I mean, his shoulder's banged up. His line stinks. He really has one wide receiver, and that's Mike Evans right now. Um, I'm not there on Brady MVP or Buck Super Bowl, but – I would hate to be the Atlanta Falcons this week. That's for sure. Sam Paniadovich with us from Nesson Fox Sports. He's here on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. All right, so what are we thinking right now, and what do the odds look like for uh, Super Bowl matchups, Super Bowl teams at the quarter pole? I think, you know, I, I really do think, and this won't be popular, but when you look at the NFC, I, I think it's as wide open as it's been in a while. And I, I think if you put in – either Green Bay or Philly, 
you're going to be okay. And what I mean by that is you're going to probably have a good spot or a good path to get to the NFC championship game, at which point you could do what you have to do, if you know what I mean. Uh, you could find the Eagles at 8, 9 to 1. You can find the Packers at 11 to 1. If you shop around, always get the best price. I mean, Green Bay, they didn't look great on Sunday, but I've told you this, Steve, for, for months now on this program. Green Bay's offense is going to be a lot better in December than it is right now because Rodgers is still getting acclimated, not only with his line that's getting healthier. Bakhtiari just got back recently. Uh, Jenkins is just getting back into form. He's still throwing to a lot of young wide receivers. Um, I think they're going to make a move at the trade deadline, bring in a wide receiver. So this offense is going to get better, and it's still predicated on them being able to run the football, which they do with great success. So uh, that team is going to be fine, and, and Philly has the most talented roster in the NFC. So I think if we avoid the AFC, we avoid that gauntlet of Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, um, Cincinnati, Chargers, Dolphins. There's a lot of good teams in the AFC. I don't think there are a lot of good teams in the NFC. So I think what you do right now is put one of those two teams in your back pocket, whether it be the Eagles at 8-1 to or the Packers at 11-1, and, and start to build that portfolio from there. They don't have to win the Super Bowl for you to make money, but I like what I've seen from Philly, and I still think the Packers are going to be a tough out because of their defense and because they have Aaron Rodgers. Stick with the NFC for a second. I saw you tweet out a number that you saw in the broadcast last night with the Rams and the Niners, and you said the Rams should have been outscored badly in the fourth quarter. Should we be fading the Rams until they start getting it right? Yes and no. Um, things turn on a dime in the NFL, so I'm always cautious of a blind fade going forward. But, yeah, that was an alarming number that I saw on ESPN's broadcast last night. They're getting drubbed, shellacked in the fourth quarter. They've been outscored. Small sample size, I know, four games, but 44 to three, <laughs> that's a problem. And I think Sean McVay, you know, he gets a lot of credit for being this quarterback whisperer. Matthew Stafford got drilled in the backfield all game long. We look at his sack number, I think he took seven sacks, but he was hit more and he was hurried even more. And, and that was an issue before they solidified the offensive line the end of last season. That was the issue the year before with Matthew, Matthew Stafford. Like, how can you protect him? How can you keep him upright? That team has a lot of problems right now. And and where is Allen Robinson? He's on a freaking milk carton right now. I mean, for other teams, the, the task is simple. You double or bracket Cooper Cup and make Matthew Stafford go through his progressions and go through his reads. That is not a good offense right now. And here's the other thing, Steve. They've played four games They've only covered one of the four. So until I see improvement from the offensive line and until we see a second playmaker, like last year they had OBJ, uh, they had Robert Woods before he got hurt, they don't have a number two banana at wide receiver, and that's a serious problem for the Rams. Dare I say this, that the Jets and Dolphins is an intriguing game to analyze. Dolphins, Bridgewater in there, minus three and a half on the road. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to fit the Jets in any way you can, huh? It is intriguing, and here's here's why it's intriguing, is that you're seeing an avalanche of professional money on the Jets here. Now, this number opened Miami minus six, and, of course, that was the early number before last week. That was the look-ahead number, if you will, at the Superbook in Vegas, and most books opened it back up around, like, you know, five, five and a half, and now we're at three. So we've seen a lot of respected players – 
hit that, you know, hit it from four to three and a half, down to three at the Westgate, down to three at the the Caesars. So you're you're getting some sharp play on the Jets. And I know that the wise guy has been betting the Jets for the last 10 years. They haven't made a lot of money on this team. But Teddy Bridgewater laying points on the road. I, I have my criticisms with Bridgewater. And I know people love to look at his ATS number. He's like 22-3 and three all time as a dog. Um, but I, this offense – this offense leaves a lot to be desired because neither Tua or Bridgewater can throw the deep ball with accuracy. And that's really what this team needs. And I don't see it with Bridgewater. Um, I lean to the jets. Don't really love it. Uh, but yeah, that game actually has some, some excitement for the first time in a long time. Miami and New York has been a boring game for years in this league. You want to talk intriguing. Can, can Uh-oh. Bill Belichick find a way to slow down the juggernaut that is yeah. the Lions offense? <laughs> you know, the first thing that you start with in that game is not Goff against Belichick, and it hasn't been pretty. Uh, Goff in three meetings has completed 52% of his passes, two touchdowns, four picks. He's taken nine sacks. Not a large sample size. We know that, but I don't expect much to change there. Here's where it gets interesting. Detroit's defense is horrendous against the run. They are the third worst team in the NFL against the run. 662 rushing yards. That's over 170 on the ground per game. The only two teams that are worse at stopping the run are the Bears and Texans, and those two teams blow. So what Belichick is going to do, boys, in this game, he is going to run and run and run and run, and they are going to just gash this very weak Detroit run defense and put the ball in Jared Goff's hands. And this is a game, honestly, you'll want to look at the injury report as we get closer to Sunday because if Amandra St. Brown and DeAndre Swift are out again, Belichick's going to take away Hawkinson because he always takes away the other team's best weapon. If it's if it's Belichick in the run game against Goff trailing, I would, I would lay the three right now. I, I think it's a good spot. Um, I don't care. I don't think there's a big drop-off between Jones and Hoyer and Zappi. doesn't matter who's a quarterback because they will run the ball at will against Detroit. Let's close out with a little bit of baseball. Is there some money to be made or at least some action here with Aaron Judge in these last couple of games trying to get off of 61 home runs? No. If you've been betting Aaron Judge to homer, you're probably living under a bridge right now. <laughs> and, and the problem with that is that they have been – you know, shaving the price. Like I look up every night and he's two to one to Homer and he has one Homer in the last 12 games. You do the math, (laughs) you know, if you've been betting that you're one in 11 and I look, I, I don't think he's going to get it done. They play again tonight. They play tomorrow. I don't think he's going to get there, which makes this conversation. I know we don't have a lot of time, but if he doesn't reach that record, I mean, that could tear the Yankees on this year. I don't like if, if they get there, I think they'll be fine if he gets there. But if he's stuck on 61, I think that's a weird team heading into the postseason. And uh, I'd be looking to short the Yankees if Judge doesn't make it. It's a lot of pressure when you're trying to set the all time Yankee home run <laughs> record. Oh, yeah. When they're cutting in during the Wake Forest and Florida State game, yeah. the pressure just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Uh, last minute, maybe 45 seconds. World Series betting to try to get the matchup. Yeah, some books are doing this. I know MGM's doing it. A lot of the American books are doing it. There's a team in the American League that's very interesting, and that's the Cleveland Guardians because they're the three seed. They get the six. All three games are at home in Cleveland. They're going to be favored in all three, and then they would face the aforementioned Yankees in the 2-3. 
Cleveland could easily beat the Yankees. I was looking at Dodgers and Guardians. Exact matchup at 30-1. to It allows you to key in the Dodgers, my World Series champ, with a lesser team. If you if you move the Astros and Yankees out of the way, you can get Dodgers and, and Guardians at 30-1. to And if Cleveland gets through New York, boys, you can hedge that and you really can't lose. I think Dodgers and Cleveland is a great exacta at about 30 to 1. All right, good luck in the Survivor. Keep it going. All right, boys, see you. There he is, Sam Paniatovic from Nesson, who's a longtime resident of Vegas working for VSIN. Yeah, I wish I had jumped on the no every day on Aaron Judge. Because the yeses, as he said, he said 200. No, there were some of them were down to plus 165. 175 on certain days. You've been listening to the Battleborn Sports Hour right here on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. For archives of the entire show, check out lvsportsnetwork.com.